It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, June 26th. LA Galaxy get a 0-0 draw with the Colorado Rapids. If you were trying to stay awake, maybe you needed had a long day and you're like, I need something to hype me up. If you watch that LA Galaxy game, you would have been asleep in 20 minutes. Uh, first half, most of the second half. Uh, it was a snoozer, 0-0 draw. We're going to talk about it. Talk about the LA Galaxy. Talk about the game plan, because the game plan is probably more interesting than actually what happened on the field. Discuss that a little bit. LA Galaxy news. Some champions now inside the LA Galaxy family. We'll talk about that. Get y'all ready. Maybe some Robbie Keane news in there as well to help me do all that. We're glad he's back. It's Kevin the Panda Baxter. Kev, how you doing, buddy? Oh, do you want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> Is there, It's a draw. Can you get something that's sort of like lukewarm or, or tepid news? Like just sort of what, what, what do you got? Oh, well, I'll start out with the good news. Okay. The Galaxy are unbeaten in MLS play since Chris Klein resigned. Yes. And now the bad news is they've only won one game. They're 1-0-3. They're 10 points out of a playoff berth, which is worse than they were when Chris Klein left. Right. They have eight, they've been shut out eight times in 18 games. Um, I, I, like how, I like how you steal my stats. Every show, yeah, well, I tell you beforehand that I have stats. Yeah, I give you two, and then you use it as quickly as you possibly can. You no, know, I could do my own research, but it's just easier just to take yours. Okay, no problem. Tied for the worst goal differential. Yes. And yeah. uh, three wins. And... They're coming up on a – they're two games into a stretch that will see them play six games in 24 days, five games in 17 days. Right. And their upcoming J- July schedule, maybe the toughest July schedule in the history of the league. It's <laughs> it's wicked. It's San Jose, LAFC, Philadelphia. So they have the MLS Cup finalists back-to-back. Right. Then they play Vancouver twice. Vancouver just beat LAFC at home. Right. They, they, they have Vancouver twice – Sandwiched around Leon, the CONCACAF Champions League winner. Man, that is, and they're going to do most of that without a center back. Yeah, yeah, without, wait, without two, two center, center backs. backs. Yeah. Um, I, I keep saying it, and I think we should maybe get shirts that are made. Uh, when you suck, your schedule's hard, right? It doesn't matter, right? It's like if you're a good team, your schedule's easy because you get to play all these crappy teams because you're a good team, right? Every once in a while, you'll be like, oh, this is a really good game because it's two good teams playing each other. But for the most part, it's like, oh, I'm a shark and I'm just preying on minnows. Right now, the LA Galaxy are a minnow. Um, and they keep sort of proving that uh, the Colorado game was uh, was interesting. I'll, I, it was interesting for a bunch of different reasons. One, the center backs, one, the whole deal. But like just in terms of the overall, you're like eventually something has to change. Right. And it feels like nothing. It just feels like it, and it wasn't even a bad performance. They extended their season. This is their now their season long unbeaten streak four games. Right. So you talked about ever since Chris Klein was fired, the Galaxy haven't lost a game, but it's just one win and three draws agreed that's that's tepid that's lukewarm that's very middle of the road right the whole deal um we can talk about what the players think and the coaches think about that streak and sort of things that are going on because they they do know they're paying attention to it um of how it goes um but it just you know at some point you're like we'll either start winning or just keep losing right like it's like this the the draws thing now is an interesting twist is it draws that are on the cusp of being wins i mean you look at the sporting kansas city game and that one felt like it probably should have been a win right you look at the uh the game against colorado i don't know that either team should have won that game so i'm not necessarily saying that you know that went either way but it, it just feels very like stuck in in quicksand you know, it's like everything. It's like they're still sinking, but it's very, it's slowly. It's very slowly now. 
And July could be just a heck of a slog, man. San Jose game is going to be at Stanford Stadium. Yes. So that's one of those where like form didn't really matter. Then LAFC at the Rose Bowl. Yep. I still think that's going to be a, a pro LAFC crowd. Philly, Vancouver twice. Um, uh, is one of those at one of the, both of those? Uh, but one is in Vancouver. Here, we'll bring the schedule back okay. up. Uh, the first game is in Vancouver, so they'll travel up the coast for that one. That's on July 15th, right? 7.30 p.m. game. Uh, and then that's in league. So that's an MLS play. And then they'll come home and host Vancouver on July 29th at the end of the month. But that's in League's Cup. So and, and, you know, Vancouver just won at LAFC. It's their first road win of the year. But I mean, they beat a good team that never loses at home. So Vancouver obviously serving notice that they're uh, a, a force to be reckoned with. Um, and then again, Leon is, you know, CONCACAF Champions League winner. That's just uh, that could be an oh oh and six. I hate to say it, but it could be an oh and six July. Yeah. I mean, you know, they all the Galaxy also had an undefeated June. So. You know, what which way are you trying to go on this? No, I I, I understand. So you want the good news or the bad news? I'm, Actually it wasn't undefeated because they did lose the US Open Cup. Game. Yeah, but I don't count those. You know, you know me. I'm just I I close my eyes. I count league games. League games are what counts for streaks for me because it's too hard to try to keep track of anything else as stupid games. Um very interesting night for the Galaxy against against Colorado. This was a game, the battle for the wooden spoon, I think, uh correctly marketed as such as well. Uh, not a lot of excitement in this game. I think Colorado had some half chances to win the game, and I think the Galaxy had half chances to win the game. You want to talk about big chances? There was maybe one or two in this entire game for either team. Uh, Bond ended up making one save. There was only one shot on goal for uh, for Colorado the entire game, uh, which is saying something because we talked about the LA Galaxy only having one center back. So, Kevin, what do you do if you're Greg Vanny in the Colorado game if you only have one center back, right? And you know that you're playing a team that usually has your number at altitude and Greg acknowledged changing up their approach bef- You know, after the game. He talked about how they had to change things up because they haven't had success in Colorado. You know what I do in that situation? If I'm yeah. Greg Vanny, yeah. I activate myself and Dan Kalichman to play. <laughs> yeah, Greg, Greg and Dan out there playing. They, they, actually, they actually could have helped out. And by the way, you mentioned the wooden spoon race. I, you know, Inter-Miami is actually, I think, the worst team in the league right now. Anyway, they have the yeah. most losses. They have the most losses, yeah. And they're getting messy. It, that, I think that is unfair because the wooden spoon <laughs> now is not – the the it's not a fair competition anymore. What what if Miami yeah, yeah. what if Miami gets messy? They get you know Bar Barcelite, however however many people they decide to bring in from from old, uh, Barcelona days of past, right? They bring in and they still win the wooden spoon. Do we get the is then on Messi's? Uh, if you go to the Wikipedia page, or it's down there like right. individual honors. Yeah, it'll say MLS wooden spoon, and he'll probably think he won something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> oh my, another trophy. Uh, let's talk about the game against Colorado. Obviously, a 0-0 draw. Uh, I was joking with Kevin about what you do. Well, and if you're Greg Vanny, what you do is you throw as many defenders as you have, just knowing that you only have one center back. So on the back line, they put Mar- Mauricio Cuevas. I believe that was his first MLS start for the LA Galaxy. You had Caligari in there inside of him. You had Mavinga in the center as the center center back. Uh, Greg said afterwards, Mavinga had never played in the center of a back three because a back three and a back five are the same. We understand that, right? Yes, there's five and there's three, but three means you should have, quote unquote, three center backs sort of lined up next to each other in that. And in this case, you had a converted right back, Kelvin Leardam, right into into the, the left center back position. You had Caligari on the inside right center back position. And then you put Mauricio Cuevas on the outside right. And you put Raheem Edwards on the outside left. Now, Cuevas and Edwards could play in those advanced wing backs, but they didn't. In this case, the Galaxy very clearly said from a very early on, Kevin, they said defense. We're not going to let them score. Right. That seemed to be the case because not only did the LA Galaxy start five in the back, they also uh, played a a a system that was very defensive in just its overall mindset. Right. We're not going to let them score. They can't we can't lose the game if they don't score that type of thing. So so I want to talk about this because there's a lot of things that Greg said afterwards that sort of meld into this. There's another thing they did in this game, which I thought was smart, although I disagree with some of it, and that's going with the same sort of a, a same three-man midfield. Now, 
Delgado got a breather in this one. Daniel Aguirre got the start. You had Gaston Brugman in the center and Ricky Pouge. That's very familiar for Pouge and, and Brugman. And Aguirre can play over there and has played in those positions. I didn't think he had a great game, but he can play in those positions. And then Greg went and said, all right, let's double up on the strikers, right? So Preston Judd and Dayon Jovalich, starting Jovalich coming back from international duty and the whole thing. Okay, so we got our lineup set out there. You the- know who's missing? The guy who's been the hottest the last couple of weeks is, is Costa. He wasn't uh, – that, again, plays into that defense. We're going to play defense first. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't track back. There was a really interesting – so Greg said afterwards – let's talk about what Greg said afterwards in order to explain maybe what we saw. Greg said afterwards he was trying to make the game shorter, right? And what he means in this particular case is for some guys, he's trying to compact the game, right? He's trying to make it so they don't have to play as many minutes, but the minutes they play are meaningful. So if you go to the bench, here are the players that are on the bench, right? You had uh, Adrian Gonzalez, who was called up by the LA Galaxy on a short-term loan. You had Efrain Alvarez. You had Adam Saldana, right? You had uh, Julian Alde. You had Mark Delgado. You had Douglas Costa, Jonathan Klinsman, Tyler Boyd, and Aaron Bibu. Okay, so those were now most of those most of the big subs, Bibu, Boyd, Costa, Delgado, and Aude, they all saw time in this game in that second half. So what Greg had sort of mentioned afterwards, and I should I should also point out that I was myself and Alex Ruiz because everybody else was off covering the US men's national team, understood. Whole deal. So Alex and I were the only two reporters on the call. Um, so we got to talk to Greg a little bit at depth on some of the stuff. Um, and so, you know, I sort of said, you know, what, what was the two, two man forward up top and what were you trying to, and he talked about making the game shorter. And I thought it was a really interesting way of saying it, which is we're going to start guys and we're going to be stingy on defense and we're not going to give up a whole bunch and we're going to make sure that Colorado doesn't score. So we're not going to send guys flying forward and we're not going to have this all out. He was hoping he was going to get something out of Jovalich and Judd. And I am done with two forward sets. And I said that during the game as well, Kevin, because have we seen any two forward sets be successful this year? Like out, like whenever they start or anything, we haven't, right? Um, so I saw that in there and I said, that's a waste of time for me because Jovalich doesn't play well in a two forward set. I don't think Judd plays overly well in a two forward set. Put Judd up there by himself and Jovalich come off the bench. The only thing, the only problem with that is in order to have the same formation in there, they would have had to go to a 5-4-1 right and that would have changed the shape of the midfield and i think he didn't want to do that because he feels that the midfield operates best in their three and so in order to do that you put the two forwards up top which is maybe not the best thing in terms of offensive side but he felt i think for the defensive side with the five defenders and the three midfielders that he had a formation that was at least defensively sound and that colorado wasn't going to you know tear apart i'm not saying there weren't close chances there were there were a lot of close chances from colorado um, but that the galaxy had it in there. So does it make you sense? Know, another way to do that? Another way to do that and have the defensive posture with the one striker would have been a, a five, one, three, one, put Marky Delgado in, in between the midfield and the, and the, and the back line. Yeah, you could have, right. But then it's a four, then it's more of a four man midfield, right? I, you're, you're right. You keep the three, but you're still interjecting another player in there, but Delgado plays the pivot with Brugman anyway. So you're not, you're not wrong. I just thought it was interesting. I don't like the two man forward because I don't think it works. Right. And I don't think Jovalich is playing well enough to even consider putting him in as sort of the starter right now. I think judge should start in that position. Um, and I would have liked to have Dayon Jovalich come on, come on to the game with 10, 12 minutes left and try to score a goal because that's where the Galaxy took advantage of Colorado was making the switch back into a more comfortable formation and into an attacking formation around the 60th minute, right? Tyler Boyd came on at the half for Dayon Jovalich. Jovalich came off. Um, and that sort of put people into their proper formations now. So there was this, this morph that happened in the second half. And what happened in the last, unfortunately for the LA Galaxy, this was the big downfall of the entire game plan, Kevin. The big downfall of the entire game plan was they make all these switches. And we could go in and look at when all the subs sort of uh, came in here, right? Aude in the 62nd minute, Douglas Costa in the 58th, Delgado in the 58th, Tyler Boyd in the, Boyd in the 46th. Uh, and then they pulled Judd with about six minutes left to give uh, Aaron Bibu a, a little shot at that as well. So the big way that this failed was that when they brought in these guys, and you should have seen it switch around the 60th minute, especially with Aude coming in and 62nd minute right in that area, is that you should have seen the Galaxy start to pick up momentum and start to do the things that you're used to them seeing and attacking through the different layers. It took them about 15 or 20 minutes 
to get settled. And that only left them about 10 minutes, Kevin, at the end there to sort of really apply pressure to Colorado. And there was a chance to steal it there. But when Greg talks about making the game shorter, he's talking about the guys who are usually playing and the guys who are there is to make that game, you know, a 30 minute game instead of a 90 minute game, right? Stalemate everything, get some chances. If you can score, that's great, but don't give up a goal, make everything shorter, save the guys some legs because he knew he has all these games coming up and everything else. And they were guy and they had played a midweek game as well. Right. So, um, you like all these guys are tired. There's knocks and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Try to make that shorter. I thought that was a nice game plan. I think the execution needed some help. Um, and that was, that was my big thing. Takeaway. That's why this game was so boring is because by design, almost Vanny wanted it to be boring for the first about 60 minutes. You know, it, you're talking about the, that stat that I researched over the weekend, the eight shutouts in 18 yeah. games. Mm-hmm. I was hard to find out. You know, I was just looking at while you were talking. I was just looking up MLS stats here because obviously the Galaxy are somewhat punchless. But, you know, they're right in the middle of the table in terms of shots and shots on goal. They have 81 shots on target. Seattle has only four has four less, actually. And they have 267 shots overall. So they're putting the ball on the and they're they're taking shots and they're putting it on target. They're just not scoring. They're not scoring. Well, I also think that they do a bad job of shot selection. If you go and look at this, anytime Ricky Pooch starts shooting from about 35 yards out, you know, it's one of those games where the Galaxy don't have an offensive clicking. And I said that and people wanted to argue with me. I'm like, no, no, Ricky's talent is basically trying to find the pass to find the guy. If Ricky starts shooting a lot in non-transition moments, right, where he's actually just trying to create stuff and he breaks free and he's trying to run around guys. If he's shooting from 35 yards out, it means that there are no other outlets. People aren't finding him. He's forcing it. And you saw that, I think, a bunch in this game. He forced a lot of shots. He forced things to happen. And they had to. There was no offensive. Yovel, yeah, he Yovel, had a, he yeah. had a patience. No. He's like Steph Curry without the aim. But it's, it's still... There's something and it wasn't an impatient galaxy in that first half, but there was no offensive spark whatsoever. Um, You could even go. I mean, the galaxy gave up possession in this game, right? And they very rarely have less possession. They were okay with giving up possession in that first half to try to move Judd and Jovalich on transitional moments and to have hold up play. But there was none of this. And Greg said, you know, they really haven't had a chance to practice this because we haven't had time to you know, practice this formation with everything that's going on. They've had a couple training sessions in it and Jovalich just got back from international duty and all this other stuff. So there's a lot of things that are happening, but there's no seesaw. There's no forward and back and forward and back and playing off of each other. Um, as a matter of fact, the, uh, the average position chart, I think shows that. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. I'm, I'm looking through all my different ones that I have. Um, I mean, this is, this is the answer. Judd has no passes connected to him. And he, part, some of that is him. Um, they missed him on a couple of chances and that type of thing. But, you know, Jovalich was a non-starter really in this game. He had maybe one or two good passes in this entire in his in his 45 minutes. And then he went back again. Um, so that's why I think in in the you know, in a better case scenario, maybe you put him so well, he's still coming off the bench, Kevin, because I still think he's most dangerous and that he even sc- scored for Serbia off the bench uh, in international duty uh, whenever he came in. So there's just, again, the the offensive options tied in with these defensive injuries are a disaster for the LA Galaxy right now. There is this is they're in pure survival mode. You already went over the schedule. You told everybody where everything's going. They only have one center back until at least July 4th. Right. And that's the last time El Salvador will play. And then El Salvador, who lost to Martinique today, two to one. uh, Eric Zavaleta started in that game. Um, You're going to get him back. And he's not even, you know, that's great. Eric Zavaleta is fine. He's serviceable, whatever. He comes in, and that's finally when you're going to have two center backs back. That's it. Sega Koulibaly probably, at the very minimum, is one week out. And one week out means you don't play against San Jose, and you probably don't play against LAFC. So the Galaxy are stuck in a place. And the only thing that sort of I think Vanny can do right now is to put more defenders back there to make it harder to you know score against the LA Galaxy than do anything else. I wouldn't be surprised to see a very similar formation whenever they go and they play against San Jose on Saturday. Why, why couldn't you play Klinsman and Bond together? Just put two guys in goal. That's a good idea. The, the, uh, can they both use their hands in this fake scenario that you're coming up with? <laughs> I just want to I mean, know. You said more defenders. I just, I, you know, did you could, me. let's play two goalies. You could, but one of them can't use their hands. He would be a field player, right? Unless you want to change the rules, which I'm for right about now. I think, I think the <laughs> Galaxy know, could use two goalkeepers. Abby Womback once said, and she, 
we were talking about the rules of soccer and she said, what a goofy sport where like 10 players have one set of rules and there's another guy that has a completely different set of rules. He gets to wear gloves. He gets to handle the ball. He, he has a little box he can stay in where no one can touch him. And it's just, it, it, it is kind of weird. But um, the, the big thing we were talking about before we came on the air is what do the Galaxy do? You know, with Chicharito on the season-ending injury list, they have a lot of salary and, and, and DP flexibility, I guess. And, yep. and now if, 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 if a Caceres goes on season ending injury list, they'll have a little bit more flexibility, but they do have that, uh, a sanction where they can't sign anyone that needs a transfer certificate. They have to, you know, get free agents or, 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 or keep it in house in MLS. So they have some flexibility, but then that's, they don't have flexibility because of the sanctions. And do you go and get someone and say, look, we're 10 points out of a playoff berth. And we're more than halfway through the season. Can we make that up? As you were saying, no, what you do is you get somebody that is going to be serviceable and useful and needed beyond the season. You don't, we're beyond trying to salvage a season. If you get a guy like Inter Miami is going to do, and he helps you not win the golden spoon. The, wo- the wooden playoffs, spoon. The golden, the golden spoon was a yogurt place. That's a yogurt shot. Yes. yes the wooden spoon. Um, you know, great, but the, you have to think beyond this season. Yeah, it's almost not solvable now. Well, I mean, it is. And you're as you pointed out, although I think you incorrectly pointed out, you said they're 10 points away and, and you're like, that's that's worse than they were whenever they were. They were nine points away. You know, those types of things. It's still it's a matter of winning three or four games. I'm not saying this Galaxy team can win three or four games. They've won three games all season. I mean, you can go through the stats and look at everything. It's not pretty to say that. But it's like to think that that's out of touch is is just craziness to me. It's your nine points. Nine points. That's it. And yes, you have to have other people lose and do other things. So, you know, what are you really looking at? You have to win seven games. Again, the LA Galaxy have won three games right so far. So let's take it to you need 21 more points. You're doing all this other stuff. You're trying to get it. There's going to be people who win games and people who lose games in the Western Conference over last year. It was a lot of people, everybody doing that, winning some games and losing some games and everybody stayed basically at the same level. I think if you're the Galaxy, you have to hope that there are some people who run away with it. And some people who start dropping back towards you. But in order to do any of that, you have to win games. And I asked Chris Mavinga afterwards. We got to talk to Chris. I, I said, I said, it feels like at this point of the season that ties aren't good enough. Is there is there frustration there? And he said, he goes, it's not frustration because we feel like we're 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 doing the things that are uh, that that a good team is doing. Like we're making the plays we're in the positions we're doing this stuff. we're just missing that like one thing we're missing that off we're missing that goal you know look and i asked greg sort of the same question he said look at sporting kansas city that was a game we should have won you know and and if if we would have won that would have made me feel a lot better but he also pointed out the unbeaten streak is something that everybody's paying attention to chris mavinga mentioned it without me saying anything right which is you know we're not losing games we know we're paying attention to that that's what i sort of got from I always have to paraphrase in my head to make sense of, of what guys are saying. But in my mind, Chris Mavinga says we're very well aware that we are unbeaten in four and that's not losing and not losing is a step in the right direction. And we feel confident that we're on the right path. Um, Chris is a Vanny disciple. So uh, certainly he's he's one of those guys. You're not going to see him break ranks with that. Uh, but the biggest issue that the LA Galaxy are going to have in the next however many games, Kevin, as you pointed out, is schedule congestion. Uh, schedule congestion tied with only one center back, and then no, no, no star striker, um, no offensive threat that really comes on there. Um, and I think that that's what you saw in Colorado. Yeah, Douglas Costa came on, and for the last ten minutes, the Galaxy were very dangerous. Uh, they had a chance to absolutely steal a point, and it was almost a perfect game plan. If the Galaxy won that game. I think people would be lauding the the game plan sort of put together by Greg Vanny because I think it was the correct one and one that he sort of has learned over the last couple of years, which was I we keep getting beaten Colorado trying to play our game constantly. And now only down to one center back. He what did he say? He said something whenever I asked him uh, about the ties and stuff like that. He goes, he goes, yes, I want to win games and we should have won that sporting Kansas City game. But he goes, sometimes you have to be pragmatic about this. And that is like, I want to be aggressive and I always want to go for it. He goes, we always go for it. He goes, but in this situation with the injuries and everything else, it's better to be pragmatic about it. And I can't blame him for this. Right. Uh, Chris Tucker, my good buddy, had a had a list of things, Kevin, that like you needed to do. And one of them was don't let Kevin Cabral score. So that was like, OK, good. You didn't let Kevin Cabral score. You know, you got a clean sheet. Good. And then it was like, win, you know, win the game. And it's like you didn't win the game. But, you know, it, overall, you didn't hurt yourself in this game. And you had a chance that you can't afford to lose this game. So by getting the draw, 
you at least salvaged something in that, but you could not lose that game. That was a very important game not to lose because one, it really would have thrown some emotional baggage onto the LA Galaxy watching Colorado jump ahead of them in sort of that wooden spoon. And now as it is, they at least stay slightly above them, just barely hovering above them. Well, you know, their first two games in July are going to be at football stadiums, which is kind of unusual. They're going to play at Stanford Stadium. And then the Rose Bowl, the, the trip back to the Rose Bowl, it's interesting. A couple of things just came into my mind. When it was canceled the first time, the feeling was, wow, that, that's a lucky break for the Galaxy because LAFC had already started the season and they were yep. playing pretty well. And uh, uh, Galaxy were going to be without Costa and without Chicharito. I think right. there might have been some other injuries. So we thought, oh, well, that's good. Now they're without Casares, Chicharito, Neil. I mean, it's much worse. Um, and uh, um, you think about, you know, you, you talk about, look, they're only nine, ten points out of a playoff berth. You know, there's a chance they could get into the top nine of the conference and make the largest playoff field in non-COVID season ever, and we could squeak in. This is the Galaxy, man. They're going back to the Rose Bowl to celebrate their heritage. This is the Galaxy, and we're talking about trying to get into the top nine. Can, can you miss? Can you, can you like miss me with that 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 sort of attitude though? Because the Galaxy haven't been the Galaxy for what since since when? So don't don't play the oh they're five oh they're, they're, but they're the Galaxy. They've been bottom barrel scraping for years. <laughs> All right. So it's like, yeah, you should want to get to the playoffs. Uh, people are asking, you know, if you look at, you know, just the replacement, like, guys, can we get the guys that we can we get a striker? And it's like, yeah, you can. But again, make it smart. Um, I'm of the opinion that you want to participate in this summer transfer window because I think there's going to be a lot of movement and a lot of opportunities. But it's going to be up to the Galaxy to take the right opportunities. And like you said, it's it's not about. And, and you have to throw this mindset away. Oh, well, it's the Galaxy. They should always make the playoffs. Absolutely, they should. They haven't, but they should. Um, the bottom line is find somebody who can help your team this year and in the next year. Find, you know, and, and, and two years from now, find those guys. And I think if you look at what Will Koontz has done and certainly with him talking to us and, and just you sort of seen, but at the end of the transfer, that primary transfer window, the Galaxy had a chance to make some emergency signings if they wanted to make them. Um, and they didn't. And again, I think that was with the understanding that we're not going to make a signing to force a signing, knowing we don't have a very good summer window coming up because we have a lot of restrictions on us. Um, and so we're not willing to leverage the future of the LA Galaxy for what we're doing right now, right? And however much you've and however much the previous administrations have hamstrung this LA Galaxy team with the cheating scandal, with some of the DPs and the th people that they've chosen and the automatic contract renewals and, you know, Douglas Costa. Let's be very clear. Douglas Costa has been a, a, an anchor to the LA Galaxy's next so far since he joined, right? Doing all of those things is that's not what's important in the long-term situation for the LA Galaxy. I think we talked about even Jim Curtin, right? And people were saying, oh, well, Jim Curtin and, and Ernie Stewart are, are coming up and you know, um, or whoever, whoever else was, I forget. Um, but they're like, oh, they're coming up for Reno. You could get them over at the LA Galaxy. And those are guys who have built a winning program over the last like six, seven, eight years. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know that you would bring them in and then say, okay, go ahead. We'll give you six or seven or eight years to build a winning program. What, what kind of grade do you give Greg Vanny for the acquisition since he's come on? Because you look at, Remember when he came in and they had the French connection and it was Kula mm -hmm. Bali yeah. and it was uh, it was Cabral and Grand Sear and Ravellison and and these guys all had multi-year contracts and he talked about building with the same core into the future. Kula Bali is the only guy here and he's injured. And then so okay, Brugman, Puj, Casares, those were all good signings. Aude, Marky Delgado, Aude, Aude, Delgado's um, been good, but they they've missed. I mean, you look at the you talk about you know uh, Sam Grand Sear was a miss, Kevin Cabral was a miss, right? And that was coming out of the pandemic when we know the Galaxy didn't have any scouting. I would hope that what we've seen is that the Galaxy have gotten better. Do you think they've gotten better making decisions on players as it's gone? Because that would show that there is a system in place that is being successful at choosing the correct players. Do you think that's the case? It, it feels to me like they've changed their goals a little bit, at least as they publicly state them. Because again, I'll go back to the four French guys. Those were guys that, you know, Greg was out in front of that. These guys all got multi-year contracts. Jonathan Bond was part of that group. These guys all got multiple-year contract. These are, are guys, this is the core of the team going forward. We're going to be together three or four years, maybe five years with some of these guys. It's a three-year project. That failed miserably. And then he brought in Puj and, and Bergman and Casares. And 
I didn't hear any of that talk. I didn't hear any of that. This is the core of the future. This is, he just signed them and said, these guys are good players. They're going to help us, period. I think that's probably the better tack to take because uh, you, you don't, you know, don't get in front of yourself. Don't, you know, don't put the, don't get too far out in front because you don't know how these things are going to play out. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's just sort of cautious, you know, being, being cautious. That's how, that's how you don't say very much whenever you say things, right? Like, you know, Greg Vanny, you really shouldn't have a lot of opinions on things because if you have opinions or you tell the truth, then you could, you could be nailed for that. That goes with any public personality is make sure you don't tell the tra- the press the hundred percent the truth, because if you're honest and then it ends up being wrong, then it's your fault. Um, those types of but things. Part of the problem is, is, and I think Will Kuntz is part of the solution because Will Kuntz has talked about wanting to scout Latin America, wanting to get some of the young quote unknown players you know, the Rui Diaz's and, and Almarones and, and players that other teams have been so successful with. Um, at the beginning of the Vanny era, um, you know, Jovan spent all his time in France and everyone that was coming in was coming through France. And then, well, we got a guy from Spain and we got a guy from England. But for the most part, they were talking about how Greg spoke French and, and Jovan had all these connections in France. And we haven't heard anything about that uh, for a while. France went on vacation. Spent- France went on vacation, yeah. the whole country. They're starting to – and France was a good place to go when you look at how many players played in the World Cup for how many different countries. France is producing – Every every time. In, you know, some great players. It was a great place to start. But now it's a lot of change, and that may, that may be in this roving scouting department that seems to change every five minutes. You know, maybe that's what's going on. And now all of a sudden we're scouting Latin America again, which is what we did when, when uh, uh, you know, uh, the close was here. So – it doesn't seem like there is a uni- a strategy that they're sticking with for more than a few months or a year at a time. Yeah, but y- you also have to understand that there was no system in place whenever they signed Grand Sur, when they signed Cabral, you know, even whenever they got Douglas Costa. There was no no scouting system, and we know that because we've been told that every year for freaking however many years since Kernan Alfo was let go. Right. And so we knew that there wasn't Bruce didn't have one, but Bruce was really good at knowing his guys. And so he knew his guys and he put stuff together and, you know, that that worked out for them, obviously. Um, But in the new MLS, you have to have the scouts. You have to have those feelers out. So, you know, I just want to say I just want to look at it objectively. And I think you can and say, I think their signings are getting better. And if that's the case, then that shows there's proof that the system they put in place is getting better, right? I really like Alde. I know people are sort of lukewarm on him. He's playing a lot of games. He's playing in a lot of different situations. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's doing. He's carrying a heavy load over there on the left-hand side, and he's basically playing. If you are a, a right-back or a left-back in a Greg Vanny system, you are a winger as far as I'm concerned. You're up and back and midfielder and everything else that's in between. Give give out a t- a chance, and I think he's still going to be pretty good. Thought he was good coming off the bench actually against Colorado. I thought he thought he sort of uh, fed into everything that was going on and and started to help up the pace and really gave the Galaxy the best chances that they had. So, um, you know, I thought he was okay in that one. I think Caligari is extremely good. Um, I think the big thing was we were all saying nobody's going to be able to re- replace Julian Rajo, right? And and the whole deal. I mean, outside of the assists, and and I think that. Caligari will get there, but he needs some winger support um, whenever it happens. I think Caligari is going to be fine on the assist side of things. I think he's a way more technical player than Julian is. Um, so, And I think he's a better defender than, than Julian was. Uh, maybe the speed isn't quite as fast there, but I mean, overall, in terms of what you were, tr- you were tasked with doing, Kevin, which was replace Julian Araujo, who had really been the spark for the LA Galaxy and led the team in assists last year. Um, I think you've done a pretty good job of finding somebody who does, as a matter of fact, play the position you like, play the position the way that you want it, have the technical skill that you want to be able to pass. So I think they got that. You know, Mavinga, Mavinga's a veteran move. He had a horrible game, horrible game against Sporting Kansas City. And I said if the LA Galaxy had any more center backs on the roster that he probably would have been replaced at halftime. Um, he played a better second half. Then he came out and played one of the better center back ha- or center back games I've watched an LA Galaxy play against Colorado. You you mentioned and we talked about this. It's Colorado, the worst team in the league, but also the LA Galaxy only one point above them. So they're pretty even in terms of their suckiness, right? I thought Mavinga played very very well in that game, but he hasn't he hasn't been he hasn't been um, he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't gotten playing time. Uh, he told us, I thought this was a good one, Kevin. He told us afterwards, I sort of said, you know, what does it feel? You haven't played a lot of games. Now you have played back-to-back 90s in the last two games. And he, uh, he, said, he said, I told all the guys, and we got all the guys together. He's like, you know, a lot of us don't get to play very many minutes. So make this our game, right? He's talking to Kelvin Leardam. He's talking to a guy like Mauricio Cuevas, right? Raheem Edwards out on the side. Make this our game. 
He seems to want to be a leader back there. He seems to be able to be a leader back there. If he can stay healthy, I think the Galaxy will be okay with him in that center back role. If he can't stay healthy, then yeah, that's a bust. But I, I can sort of understand taking a flyer on him when you need center backs. The Galaxy, Kevin, in my opinion, don't have a center back depth problem, except that they, all of a sudden they have two guys on international duty and you know and two guys hurt because uh, you have Sega and Caceres. Um, and that causes the death problem, but Kosaris probably isn't coming back next year. So that's probably not going to happen. So now you need another starting center back. So is it Mavinga and Neil? Is it Neil and somebody else? Like you have to start thinking about who that is. And we haven't even talked about the news. Officially, we were suggesting on Thursday that Kosaris could be out for a little bit, little bit of time. Um, and the LA Galaxy announced on Friday uh, that, the, that uh, Martin Kassler uh, sustained an avulsion fracture in his left knee, and he's out three to five months. Um, that prompted me, Kevin, to ask some questions about season-ending injury lists and what happens when you have two players on the season-ending injury list. And I got some answers in, in some of those questions. Uh, I'll tell you this. The LA Galaxy currently don't consider Martin Kassler's injury to be season-ending. Um, but they have time to make that decision. And apparently it's a longer timeline than just the July 5th one that you needed for Javier Hernandez whenever you were going to put him on the season ending injury list and then replace him. Bottom line is you can place, I think, as many players as you need to on the season ending injury list, but you only get cap relief for one. And so the one that they're going to get cap relief for, it looks like it's going to be Javier Hernandez. Um, and so that means that basically... Basically, they can sign a player, sign a DP for as much money, uh, I believe, as and I keep being told this as much money as Javier Hernandez was making. So you have uh, up to that. I still think the budget charge is three hundred fifty thousand dollars and it's the same. There's an argument of semantics in the rules there. But however that happens, you have a, you have a seven million dollars to sign a designated player. Um, right. He, right. You have a designated player slot, slot open right and, now. And you open the DP slot. You open the international slot. Right. And you get the cap relief. Right. You still are responsible for paying Javier Hernandez the rest of his money. But you can pay somebody else as much money as he was making and, and do that. Now, if you put Mark Martin on that list, you won't get cap relief. So you're going to have to take his cap hit. You already it's already there because he was making however many however much and he was a TAM player. Um, you know, however much that was. Right. You put that into that. And now you are you can get the international slot back and you can get the roster slot back. Right. So that's by that's why putting him on the season ending injury list might make sense if you consider it season ending. So you can put him on there. You could get those slots back, but you still have to take the salary cap hit. So you, you have to spend more money to go out and get somebody as a replacement for him. But the spot is open. Well, and, and let's just be clear that when we talk about this, this is this is paper shuffling. This is, uh, um, um, uh, you know, all um, just paper money we're talking about. These guys still get paid. They're yeah. Javier Hernandez still going to get seven million dollars. Castro is going to get his million plus or whatever it is. They get their money. This is just that we're talking about now the salary. One guy you haven't well you've mentioned him a couple times, but we didn't talk about the weekend he had, uh, which is Neil. He yeah. had a great weekend playing with the national team. Came off the bench at halftime in their one one draw with Jamaica and Impressed a lot of people, Jalen Neal did. Yeah, BJ Callahan said, uh, Jalen Neal, he came in at halftime and looked like he's been playing for a long time at the national team level. Uh, that was just his third start for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, so Jalen Neal impressing. And it was funny because uh, so in the post game, we were waiting for Greg to come in. It was normal, normal amount of time. We didn't have to wait forever. Um, they had him in a little like four by four closet apparently it was greg walked in there and said there's just enough room for like the lights and the backdrop in his chair and he was like had to scoot in his chair in order to get in there but he was talking about before he came in as we were waiting alex ruiz and i were on there and we were talking about the game i was saying how did jalen play and he's like he's played he's played solid like he was in a, and i went back and looked and there were lots of people talking about how we got to play i didn't watch because i was covering the galaxy but um i heard he played well and should that surprise anybody? Because when you look at what he did with the LA Galaxy, he sort of does the same. This kid, you seem to drop him into any level, and you like, you know, you pick him up and you drop him into a game, and it's like he's comfortable there. It's not a problem. Well, that was his third cap with the U.S. national team, his first competitive game, and uh, came out at halftime. And uh, Soccer America and their player ratings gave him a seven, which was the highest rating, equaled the highest rating uh, for a U.S. player in the game. So obviously, he turned a lot of heads and convinced a lot of people. Now. It was against Jamaica, but Jamaica is a fast uh, team. It's a pretty potent team. They just scored the one goal, but they were dangerous most right. of the night. Uh, it wasn't like he was playing against, uh, you know, a, a poor team. He was playing against a pretty dynamic team, which, you know, could cause you a lot of problems if you're not on your toes. Yeah, Jamaica has a, a, a 
couple, a bunch of Premier League uh, League players uh, who are on that roster. They probably have one of the strongest rosters for the entire Gold Cup, Jamaica, just based on the fact that everybody else is sending, you know, B teams. And that's very clearly an A team for Jamaica. So uh, Jalen Neal came on, helped uh, help defend, and the uh, United States eventually got that 1-1. We talked about Eric Zavaleta playing. Uh, they lost to Martinique. The two goals uh, that were given up, I believe, was on Zavaleta's watch. Uh, I think we can expect two goals in like the first 15 minutes, 16 minutes. And then they played almost the entire second half uh, with a man up they, uh, and didn't score until they got a penalty kick deep into stoppage time. El Salvador, a horrible game. I think Zavaleta will be back uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, it, I, I would think that Zavaleta is, is your key to sort of coming back. But the LA Galaxy won't get Neil back probably for a little bit longer. I mean, when you go and look at the Gold Cup schedule, uh, quarters, maybe semis. Is, is that where we're going to say that the United States exits is the is the semi rounds? Let's see. Uh, no, they, they, they make it to the final. They'll play it so far. Okay. July 9th is the quarterfinals. July 12th is the semifinals. July 16th is the final, just in case you're looking at Neil and a possible return along those timelines. Still a ways to go without him. Um, so I thought that was interesting uh, in terms of the news front. Let's go a little bit more. Um, let's talk about Robbie Keane real quick. Robbie Keane announced as the head coach for uh, Maccabee Tel Aviv. Oh, fun. That's a, that's a fun little like thing to know uh, as 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 Robbie Keane takes over the head coaching job there. Listen, Robbie Keane putting in his time, Kevin. Eventually, he's going to be. There was times whenever we said, "Hey, maybe Robbie Keane would come coach the LA Galaxy." And remember, we were told that uh, uh, a coach without a like uh, some top level experience isn't going to come in and coach the LA Galaxy. Well, I mean, he's starting to get it. He's starting to add well, up those, was, those years. He was assistant with Ireland. I think he was an assistant in the EPL too, right? Yeah, I believe so. And he also went somewhere else as well. Yeah, he's had some. And, that, and now, I mean, I, I wouldn't say Tel Aviv is a major club, but it's first division club. Um, it's a start. It's experience. Um, we'll see how he does. Um, it, but it does, it, to, to answer your question, it does kind of look like he's putting together that resume. Now, whether he's thinking about the Galaxy or not, <laughs> I hope or not. whether he's just thinking about coaching somewhere. I mean, he... It, if he does well, I think at some point he would have to wind up on that list of guys the Galaxy are considered, right? I mean, the Galaxy have been traditionally very good about bringing back, you know, Vanny is a former Galaxy guy, Kalichman, Hartman, uh, Klein, you know, uh, uh, just about every coach that that, uh, that Bruce had, uh, you know, that he, that he brought through were all former Galaxy guys. They have a very good reputation and tradition of bringing back guys who have been in the organization before. Um, you know, we're all hoping uh, that... Uh, you know that, that that there are some more people that they might bring back, but Robbie Keane. I mean, Landon Donovan. At one point, they were talking about him as a coach. Um, Todd Donovan, as perhaps president or some sort of front office person. Robbie Keane certainly could be part of that conversation if he does a good job. Yeah, uh, it would be interesting to sort of see and track that. We also wanted to talk about the champions that actually were here. Uh, the LA Galaxy's U17 MLS Next Cup uh, team is champions. Uh, of of that uh, age level with a 4-2 win over Real Colorado at Toyota Stadium. If you've been watching any of these social media, it's been fun to watch these kids uh, celebrate on the bus, having a good time, hoisting trophies. Um, they had some some really good play in this tournament. So, you know, we've talked about, and I know there's a lot of people who are down on the LA Galaxy's Academy and a lot of things that are sort of going, and they're like, hey, where are the results? And you sort of look at MLS Next Pro, and LA Galaxy 2 is way down near the bottom, and all these other things. But I will tell you that there have been some individual teams that you watch where they are playing well. Uh, Mike Munoz is in charge of, or, or I guess as overseer of the Academy and helping Greg Vanny in that. Um, but they do get the MLS Next U17 Championship. Uh, they also was, I believe, some individual awards uh, following the win. Harbor Miller, who scored the opening goal in the match against Colorado, was named the MLS Next Cup MVP presented by Adidas. Uh, Julian Placias, who tallied a tournament high six goals, was named the MLS Next Cup top scorer. Additionally, goalkeeper Luca Adams was named the MLS Next Cup best goalkeeper presented by Allstate. Um so the LA Galaxy team uh, defeated New York City FC 6-2 in the round of 32 with uh, Palacios recording a hat trick in the win. In the round of 16, the Galaxy Academy drew Philadelphia Union 0-0 uh, before de defeating Philadelphia 5-4 in penalty kick shootout. Uh, the Galaxy Academy then defeated Total Football Academy 2-0 in the quarters before beating the San Jose Earthquakes 2-1 in the semifinal of the tournament to advance to the U-17 MLS Next Cup final. So congratulations to those kids. That's fun. Learning how to win is a good thing, Kevin. If you're a U17, what do you spray around the locker room when you win a title? 
Um, what are all the cool kids drinking nowadays that's non-alcoholic? Uh, is it as simple as Gatorade? It can't be, right? There's there's something there's something better now. Like yeah, Powerade is is it is it liquid death? Are they spraying the carbonated water liquid death all around the the fizzy water? I don't I don't know. Maybe those juice boxes with the little straws that you got to stick in the hole. That's like the U12 team, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. okay. And they have to get their moms to help them put it in first before yeah. they can before they can do the it. Orange slices. So, um anyway, I thought it was really interesting to sort of see them come through and and be successful in that. Let's look at some some stats, why don't we? Let's let's do that. Uh, you already stole my stats, but that's okay. Uh, the LA Galaxy shut out eight times in their first 18 games. Yeah, I already had that. Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, yeah. Three times now they've been 0-0 this year, uh, which is, again, all away games. Um, I think it was Sporting Kansas City, Vancouver, and then um, and then this last Portland. one in Colorado. Was one oh, Portland? Maybe it wasn't Vancouver. It was Portland? Okay, it was Portland. Portland. You're right. Um, so those were the 0-0 games. Uh, you know, interesting in terms of how that goes. If we look at designated players and, and minutes... Um, that's Oops. not it. That's the goals. That's the goal scoring predictions. I was going to say this one is the one I wanted. Uh, the DP minutes. Yeah. I mean, it, you're going to watch Costa sort of like flop places with Javier Hernandez at one point. Javi's going to keep going down and Douglas Costa has played 18 point Douglas Costa. Kevin through 18 games has played 302 minutes, 302 minutes in 18 games. Hold on. Is I want, that good? I want to. I want to actually. Sixteen point seven minutes a game so far for Douglas Costa. Is that is that what you want from your your five million dollar man? Is that? You know, and the other thing is 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 we keep talking about the promise this team has. You're talking about Costa and other things, and you know, we we turned the the we're heading back the other direction now. We've looped around the halfway mark, and we're coming back. And it's a little bit late to start hoping this team gels. I mean, I think this team is what it is now. And yes, there's injuries and other things, but. We are more than halfway through the season. This is kind of what we have. And if the Galaxy can make some moves here and add some players, uh, that'll change. But I, I guess I just kind of – the feeling always has been that they're going to figure this out. And now, again, we're 18 games into a 34-game season. Just, maybe they're not going to figure it out. Just make sure you say, as far as I'm concerned, they're not going to do that. Don't put me in that little thing. I actually think that they will still – and it's not blind hope. I just I, – I talk to too many people. I see things. Okay. It's just – I. I know what the feeling is in the locker room. I've talked to players. I talk to coaches. I'm, I I pay attention to what's going on. There's not one person in there that's waving the white flag. As a matter of fact, they think they're getting yeah. stronger. No, I, I'm i not saying anyone's waving the white flag. I'm just saying that this is a talented group. And yes. I've said from the start that if they get into the playoffs, they could do some damage. But I'm starting to doubt whether they're going to get there because we keep waiting for, is this is this it? Is this when they're going to break out? Is this, you know... Uh, Yes, they they have they're unbeaten since uh, in, in June, but they just had a scoreless draw at Colorado, the worst team in the league, arguably, and it was a scoreless draw, and they came back with a point on the road. That's generally good, but not when you're playing Colorado. And then you look at this July schedule. I, I just want to see them play up to their level to give me some hope that they can finish in the top nine of a fourteen or what fourteen team. 15 team conference. What here, is it? How here, many we, here we go. Left? Let's I love I love it whenever I get comments that let me tee off. So Blue Ninja goes, injuries caused us to miss the playoffs. Excuse coming. Chicharito, Douglas Costa didn't play for how many weeks into the season, right? So the slow start on those. Chicharito, season ending. Caceres, probably season ending. You can I mean, you can blame the Galaxy for relying on Chicharito for one more year, right? You can bl blame the bad contract maybe that he got that gave him the automatic uh, renewal in the second year that gave him the third year, right? You can blame those stuff, those things on the LA Galaxy, but you can't sit there and say, oh, well, the injuries had no effect on this team. They had a massive effect on this team. Massive. Uh, you, it's the same thing like you can't sit there and say, oh, well, the sanctions didn't have any effect on this team. Massive effect on this team, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's, it's like sometimes I feel like fans need to be removed by five years until they can actually put into place all the pieces that understand what made seasons go bad, right? I mean, we can go back to, was it 2015 or 2016 with Bruce Arena and Nigel DeYoung and the fact that they got rid of Nigel DeYoung and that he wasn't, he didn't stay and didn't come back as a designated player and like they had to move him in there that probably cost themselves an MLS Cup that year. Uh, and you talk to any of those galaxy players that were sort of on that team and they thought they had by far the best team. And then they got rid of Nigel and things went sideways. 
right? And they just they couldn't hold up their end of the they couldn't hold it up because he was he was very dominant in that midfield. I think he had two red cards in that time too. But just looking at sort of how he did things, yes, these things matter. And closing your eyes or putting a sheet over your head and saying it doesn't. One, with 29 teams now, Kevin, winning an MLS Cup comes down to two things for you. Very well-constructed teams and a crap ton of luck. All right? Luck is involved in all this. Good teams, by the way, get a lot luckier. Bad teams, very unlucky. Um, And so, yes, all of these things matter. So the Galaxy have to construct a team, one that is deep enough and... Just just for did anybody think the L.A. Galaxy had problems at center back whenever they had five center backs signed? As a matter of fact, people were angry that Zavaleta was signed because he was the fifth center back. And now they have no center backs. So is that a failure of the construction of the team? Yes, you're relying on Martin Caceres, who very well could have gotten hurt. But did he get hurt from a muscle injury? No, he got hurt from a knee on knee collision. It's not like he's his body gave up on him. Somebody broke him. Johnny Russell broke him. Where, where's the scoring going to come from? Because you know, one of the things in my equation was that Chicharito figures it out and gets right. hot again. And, I have no idea. And it, <laughs> even right now, I you know, if, if he's not hurt, I would still say, yeah, you know, Chicharito could get hot at any time, changes things. I don't have the same feeling about Preston Judge and Jovalich. Jovalich has a lot of talent, but I think you're right. He's a He's a super sub. He's much seems to be much more effective coming off the bench, and that's not a knock on him. That just seems to be where he fits. I don't see anybody up there, anybody on the roster right now, lighting it up and 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 giving the Galaxy the scoring. They they, they play pretty well defensively. You know, they can play pretty well defensively. Even missing the center backs, they got a, a clean sheet. But who's going to score the goals? Because as you said. You know, a clean sheet means that you can't lose. It doesn't mean you're going to win because you got to score a goal. And they've been shut out eight times in 18 games, I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's I just I don't know who came up with that stat, but somebody did, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, if you look at the goals, by the way, this is the first time I've actually seen the defensive goals come back. Uh, they had, a, I think it was 50, right around 50-51. They conceded last year. 54.8 is actually moving back in that direction. But as of right now, if, if things continue the way they are, the LA Galaxy would score about 30 or 31 goals this season, which is, Kevin, by my math, less than 34, meaning the LA Galaxy would average less than one goal per game this season, which was not the case last season. Let me just point that out. Uh, in a lot of ways. So that's the offense is still the big question mark. I think, you need a winger, they can need a striker. Now, can you find both of those things? And I, you know, I'm not opposed to looking for a center back for a long term solution. You know, maybe that Dave Romney kid out of, uh, out of new England. I've heard he's pretty good, you know? Yeah. Bruce, Bruce is not going to give him up. Sorry. <laughs> nice drive. You know, they're all also on pace to get shut out 15 times, which I don't think that's good. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't no. I mean, it's, yeah, fifteen times. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound good. Um, you would think some of that is. I, you know how I like to keep track of win percentage. Uh, if you look at the LA Galaxy's win percentage right now, it's sixteen point seven. Uh, in twenty seventeen, which we all agree was a horrible year, it was twenty three point five. So they're sixteen point seven on the win percentage. And in twenty seventeen, they were twenty three point five. And I believe the twenty three point five is the lowest in LA Galaxy history. Uh, 2020 was 27.3, but if the Galaxy finished below that, then they would have a worse winning percentage record than the wooden spoon winning 2017 team. So what you're saying is they're looking up at 2017. They are. I will tell you this, that they finally got back to with that draw. They got back to a 50% uh, uh, point plus. I call it point plus, which is you either get a point or you either get a draw or a win, right? It's sort of like the if you if you're playing bad, uh, you get a draw, and if you're playing good, then you get a win. In the really good teams, that number tends to be high, like at 80%. You look at 2014, they were 80% on the point plus, right? 85% in 2011. That also comes from a lot of wins, by the way. A lot of wins helps you out in that percentage round. But here against the uh, against Colorado with the with the draw, they actually got above that 50%. So they have a 50% point plus average, and then they have a 50% losing average, right? Because basically, if you look at the record, uh, the total number of losses equals the total number of wins and draws combined together, right? So another way to say that is they've lost nine games and there's nine games they didn't lose. There you go. That's it. That's 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 pretty much it. Uh, I'm see. This is why I have you around. Every once in a while, you clarify what's actually going on in my mind. Uh, the away points. Hey, this is the Seattle Sounders. Yeah, graphic. it is uh, the point seven points per game on the road. 
Uh, last year was 1.29 points per game on the road. Uh, in 2017, the LA Galaxy had 1.08 points per game on the road. You'd have to go back to like 2016 or 2003 where it was 0.4 on the road in 2003 or 0.71, um, 0.67 in 2008. Uh, so some pretty historically bad years, but right now at 0.7 on the road, actually almost better than their home record whenever you look at it. Uh, total points, that's where they come from uh, on the road versus at home. Uh, the, the, the home points slightly, very ever so slightly uh, outnumbering the road points. I will say this, Chris Mavinga pointed out, he said, we're feeling good because we're, we're going to get some home games and we feel like we can win those home games. Uh, that's LAFC, that's Philadelphia. Uh, that's eventually you get into leagues cup and some other stuff there, but they feel like they're going to get some home games and that's going to help them with their, with their fans back. Yes. Well, let me talk, let me ask you about that because when he talks about home games, you know, yes, they're the home team at the Rose bowl and they picked that facility. I still think it's going to be a pro, uh, LAFC crowd, but, but even if it isn't is if it's even, is that a home game? Because I mean, it's a home, home game, Dignity home, home, you know, does it, is it really Dignity a home is, game? Mm. It, it, the dig the diggity is a home place for them. They 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 use the same locker room. They come out the same way. You know, there there's a lot of players on that team that are going to be feeling their way around the Rose Bowl, and it's not going to feel like a home game. And the, I don't think the crowd's going to make it feel like a home game. And even if it is, say fifty thousand, and it's even if it is pro pro Galaxy, there's going to be a lot of empty seats in the nine and ninety thousand seat stadium. I, I understand what Chris Mavinga is saying, but I, I wonder if that really counts as a home game. It doesn't seem like there's going to be that advantage they get at the diggity. Um, I think you're going to underestimate how many Galaxy fans will be there. I, I do. I, I think it'll be, I think it's going to end up being 60-40. Now, it wouldn't have been before the boycott, but I imagine people held on to their tickets and waited to see if that all played out and didn't get rid of them. That's my guess. Uh, 60-40. I still think it'll be, it's going to be an exciting atmosphere, and I think for that reason, like you talked about the Stanford Stadium game in San Jose, like just throw out form, it doesn't really matter. That's one of those games that never matters based on form. I agree with that. I think July 4th doesn't matter based on form. We know that. Um, but then you have Philadelphia at home. The Galaxy are counting, and you can hear them say it. Whenever you talk to players, they're excited to play in front of their fans again and having everybody back. That is a psychological boost. That is a positive for them. That pressure has been relieved a little bit at home. They know that they can, they're going to have some fan support. They also know they have to win games. Um, I asked if anybody was frustrated, and they said, no, not frustrated, but... Um, you know, they know that they need to win games. Nobody's, they're not stupid. Professional athletes aren't stupid as a whole. They're not stupid. There's certainly some guys who are idiots, but none on this yeah. team that I know of that Rose bowl game. Everyone's going to stay afterwards for the fireworks. It's going to be brutal trying to get out of there because everyone's going to be leaving at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope everybody has a good time. Enjoy that game. I'm going to spend some time with family on that one. So I've, Oh that, yeah, that's right. You're not even coming. Uh, 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 nope. Nope. I think Damien might be in the same boat as me. He's like, I'm not driving up for that game. Like the whole day he'll, he'll end up going, but you know, the whole deal, my whole thing is that I've missed, uh, let's see, I've been doing this show for 15 years. So I've missed 14 fourth of July's basically, I think 13. Cause I missed one other one whenever I stayed home and they have uh, with fireworks. My I heard there's fireworks, you know, the whole deal. Yeah. So I'm going to spend some time with my son and, and, uh, enjoy that and get to get to spend that. So I will catch the game afterwards. It's just that's just life. Every once in a while, you're going to make decisions and, and those types of things. I'm not upset about it. I'm actually really looking forward to spending July 4th with everybody and not worrying about a Galaxy game and doing some stuff. So um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think, is there any other stats that I sort of oh, I did want to show. I mean, we talked about it fourth uh, with the four game unbeaten streak. It is their longest of the year. Um, so that last year, the longest unbeaten streak was six games. Uh, the longest lose, the longest uh, winless streak was earlier this year. I think it was seven, seven games, if I remember correctly. So, you know, the Galaxy haven't been great. And if we go to this one, there has been a turn. Look, loss, 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 loss. There's all these little red marks all over the place. Whenever you look at this chart, there's losses, 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 and more losses than anything else. And then Chris Klein gets fired. Win, draw, draw, draw. So they're doing something. There has been a move. Is it enough? I don't know. Um, but I'm not willing to sort of write it off. I think and I know the LA Galaxy are already looking at potential transfer targets uh, coming up in the winter. Uh, and again, I expect that they're going to make some moves. It's not going to be moves that are short term, in my opinion, or if they're going to be short term, Kevin, they're going to be very short term. They're going to be six month ones and where it doesn't pin them down and doesn't hold them. Yeah, just you get you get so three games. What? Glass half full or half empty. They haven't won in June, but they haven't lost. 
a glass half full right now just because they've been so horrible that any sort of turn to the positive getting points is a positive for them. Uh, if they had done turn some of those losses into draws right now, they wouldn't be sitting second to the second to the bottom of the table. Uh, I just don't know how they survive this, Kevin. And you you're absolutely correct. The gauntlet that is upcoming is almost crazy in terms of not having any center backs, right? Having one center back. I mean, how many times are the Galaxy going to play five in the back? Uh, they played against San Jose. I bet they played against LAFC. I bet they played against Philadelphia. And then um, possibly Eric Zavaleta comes back and maybe they go to a back to a to back four. I'm not saying they won't morph into that back four, but I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden the Galaxy decide that you can't beat us. Uh, you're going to have to go through, you know, eight guys jammed into the middle of the field. Somebody on the show last Monday said that the Galaxy with these two games coming up against Sporting Kansas City and Colorado that the Galaxy needed to get and would get four points. And that person was off by half. You get two points. You were really close, though, because they should have won. The SKC game is very unlucky. That's not a that wasn't a failure of the LA Galaxy. That's just that happens. You're going to get guys who get handballs on occasion. It's unlucky. The ball was so far off target. I'm sure Aguirre never thought it was going to hit him in the hand. Like, it's surprising it, it, that that ball hit him. I saw some people arguing it wasn't a handball. It was clearly oh, oh, a handball. So a handball. But at the same token, I, I, I have a hard fault, a time faulting Aguirre, who doesn't, young kid without a ton of playing time, didn't do it on purpose. The hand got out there. Mm. It was it, it, inadvertent, maybe, but it hit. It, it was a penalty. It was absolutely the yeah. correct call. Yeah, I had no problem um, with it. Um, you go, you get through July, by the way, if we continue the, the, we've talked a lot about July, if you get through the first two leagues cups games, and then you probably have more league cup games in there. If you get through those first two, um, then you come into August where the LA galaxy will host Salt Lake and host Chicago. Okay. So that's something, by the way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> salt, yeah, also Salt Lake is, is going to have Chicho, right? Uh, cause, cause he'll be back and playing against the LA galaxy and you know, he likes to play against the LA galaxy. So that'll be fun. Uh, they have Chicago, which I mean, if you're guessing right now should be a win, but God only knows. Uh, and then the galaxy will go away to San Jose again, uh, to sort of close out August. You look at September home game against Houston, home again against St. Louis, away to LAFC home against Minnesota, away to Austin, home to Portland. There are some home games. They're not wrong, but if you're to believe that, then you would sit there and say, Oh, the LA galaxy must be really good at home then. Um, and they haven't been. So it's it's not like you can sit there and say the home games will save you. I think the Galaxy just have a be slightly better chance of winning those games at home than they do put, anywhere put else. September again. September. September. Yep. Houston. So, and so I guess Casares is coming back for that Minnesota game. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, if you're if you're looking at it, then there's games in October, right? Because because uh, that still happens there as well. I just didn't clip that part of the schedule. So that's why it's going to be interesting. I, I they they made an announcement that Chicharito had surgery. They said it was successful, that type of thing, and he'll miss the remainder of the season. We already knew that he was put on the season-ending injury list. Uh, Caceres, I think maybe they're waiting to see, uh, you know, the, the timer's already on that one, right? You've already started that. But it's three months at the best to get back, Kevin, and then to get into game shape is probably another, like, two, three weeks, right? So, like, trying to get... It's it's going to be tough. I think outside of three or four months, I think that's tough tough to, to get. I don't think he's going to be five, but he's also older. It could be five months. You know, and he's a four-time World Cup player. Um, he, he's out of contract in this year. I think this injury has the potential to be career-ending as well. Not could. because he can't come back from it, because he, won't he may want not to. work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, same thing with Chicharito, and we talked at length about that on, on one of the other shows, so you can you guys can listen to that. Uh, the game coming up on Saturday is the LA Galaxy going up to San Jose. San Jose, 7-7-6. Seven, seven, LA Galaxy, 3-9-6. and six. Uh, 7.30 p.m. is your uh, TV start time. 7.39 p.m. is your kickoff time at Stanford Stadium because San Jose would never miss a payday like playing against the LA Galaxy uh, at Stanford Stadium. That's on Apple TV and MLS Season Pass. And uh, if you're paying attention, the July 8th game where the LA Galaxy will host uh, the Philadelphia Union, they are running special ticket uh, options where you can get a Ricky Pouge uh, what is it? A beach bash, Ricky Pooge bobblehead, a with a surfer Ricky bobblehead. Why is he a surfer? Why is I don't know. Does Ricky surf? Do they let him? Surf? They probably don't let him surf, right? He can't. You can't. It was actually Cole was the guy that wanted to hang out at the beach. Actually, yeah, so yeah. One of the best left backs ever in the history of the LA Galaxy uh, came in whenever he just wanted to chill and uh, and hang out at the beach. So. 
Um, yeah, that's sort of where yeah, I'm I, at. I just think it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't. I don't know what the deal is here. Well, also, he must like. Did he almost get attacked by a shark because the surfboard has a bite out of it? And are these not going to season ticket members? Like, is this not a season ticket member gift? Because well, I was or journalist or journalist. I not going to journalist. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, are we getting one? Is that what you really want to know? Are we going to get one? Because I see your collection back behind you. I know that you would yeah, always like another one. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I always think it's wrong. Whenever you have season ticket members and you don't give them like the giveaways, so I don't know especially that especially this year, especially, especially you need this year. Yeah. Is, yeah, the one year you might want to pay attention <laughs> to those people. The 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 Ricky Pooch bobblehead should have like a little empty cavity in it, and you open it up, it's a hundred dollar bill. If you're a season ticket member, it's like here, this one's on us. We got this one, no problems. Uh, by the way, Patrick, thank you for the super chat. Ten dollars says COG always steady and disciplined. I don't know either of us are disciplined. Looking at our waistlines, I would suggest not. Or steady, yeah, or steady. We're we kind of fall over sometimes too. Uh, but that's what you have. Uh, We'll have a show on Thursday that'll get you ready for that game against San Jose. That's coming up on Saturday. Um, so a lot of things still to get through through this week. I think we covered all the LA Galaxy news that you needed to know. So you're sort of up to date now. Now that means the LA Galaxy can come back on Tuesday. I think they were off on Sunday and off on Monday today. And I believe they trained Tuesday. Um, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They are traveling up same day for San Jose. So wow. they will travel up that morning, get there, and then travel back that night. Okay. That is the that is another benefit of the charter. I don't know that I'd want to do that because there's just too many could be bad weather, whatever. Um, yeah. but without charters you could never do that because you 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 know, you you're not guaranteed the flight's not gonna get canceled if it's commercial. Yeah, yeah. I mean and you know, same thing. You could have you could have mechanical difficulties for a plane, you know, leaving on a charter too. But this allows them to be you know, that means you get to train, you get to do everything that allows them to sleep in their own bed. Everything is the same. They just get on a plane and fly for, you know, an hour up north, land at the airport and take the five minute. I, if they get to land at the airport, at the charter, I think the charter side is on the west side and the stadium's on the west side. So do they get there and just walk across nope, to the stadium? No, nope, they're going to Stanford. Oh, they are going to Stanford. Oh, man, this I'm telling you. So where do they land? Do they land in San Jose? Do they land at San Francisco? San Jose. You still I think you still go to San Jose and drive up. I think San Mateo has a little airport. Maybe yeah. get all like like twenty seven different Cessnas going up there. You could. By the way, most exciting most exciting local player I've seen this year. Yeah. Alyssa Thompson. Alyssa Thompson. You were talking about her before we started. So God, she is so much fun to watch. All right. So so if the Galaxy fans are tired of watching the LA Galaxy, they should go watch Alyssa Thompson. Yeah. Okay. Not the rest of Angel City. I mean, they have some good players, but Alyssa Thompson. Right. Okay. Is in, in in particular. Perfect. All right. I think that about does it, Kevin. Uh, anything else for you, sir? Uh, no, did I talk about Alyssa Thompson already? You did. So I think we're good. Okay. All right. If you're looking eight for eight shutouts. Yeah. Eight shutouts. That's what I heard. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for, uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter, it's at K Baxter 11 on Twitter, head on over to latimes.com where he has all this coverage for the U S men's national team, U S women's national team, angel city, all that stuff. You can find it right there. Latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Gessman, J G U E S M A N. And of course at galaxy podcast, corner of the galaxy.com is where you can find all of our podcasts, all of our shows. All right, everybody. Zero, zero draw with Colorado, San Jose coming up on Saturday. We'll have a show on Thursday night. Hope everybody has a great rest of the week. Enjoy yourselves. We'll catch you later. For Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick-Gessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>